Hello and shalom, everybody. My name is Julia Jassy, and you are listening to Nice Jewish Girls, brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Before we get started, if you haven't already, take a moment and subscribe to this pod. I promise you will not regret it. On today's episode, we are talking with Danny Goldblatt, kosher barbecue chef and teacher of Jewish subjects. A central part of Jewish culture is food. Danny Goldblatt is taking this implicit connection between Judaism and food and making it explicit. She combines a love for her community with a love for food, making recipes accessible to kosher eaters. At the same time, Goldblatt is a teacher of Jewish subjects, forming the minds of young students. And there's something I find so natural about this connection. Perhaps the two most central pieces of Jewish culture are food and stories. For every holiday, we begin by hearing the same stories that have been told for thousands of years. We end by either eating food or depriving ourselves of it. For me, so many of my earliest memories connecting to Judaism are from sitting around the table with my family over kafta, pitot, challah, matzah ball soup. Yes, my family's recipe is the best in the world. There is so much I want to learn from Danny. What is it like being a Jewish chef in a field lacking Jewish representation? A female chef in a field lacking female representation? How does she shatter these stereotypes while remaining true to her own background? Danny takes these two central pieces of Judaism, food and stories, and she owns them. It's kind of awesome. I am so excited for you guys to meet her. Let's do this thing. Danny Goldblatt started Holy Smokes as a fun Instagram page that later turned into a business. About five years ago, she started experimenting with all things meat, and the rest was history. Danny's passion in food came from always keeping kosher and wanting to recreate non-kosher food in a kosher way. From sous vide to barbecue to beef jerky and biltong, Danny is continuing to hone her craft. Danny's day job is a full-time Jewish studies teacher, but I think it's safe to say that food, specifically meat, is her passion. Danny, it's so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Julia. Of course. So I want to start off in the beginning. Tell us a bit about where you're from, your experience with Judaism growing up, and what your relationship to Judaism was as a child. Sure. So I'm born and raised in L.A. in the San Fernando Valley, and I grew up in a very traditional home, like conservative Judaism, conservadox, um, had a bat mitzvah. We we're always home Friday nights for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up also going out on Saturdays, playing sports. But I come from a half South African background, and it's like very traditional. Um, mm-hmm. Not everyone's necessarily religious, but very traditional. And we were more than just like high holiday Jews. We were quite active in our community. Um, I went to public school and later went to a private Jewish high school. That was a pluralistic high school. And that also really honed my Jewish identity. But people always say, like, I had it in me from when I was little. Like, everyone mm-hmm. said when I was in seventh grade at my bat mitzvah, oh, Danny will be a rabbi when she grows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was a toddler, apparently there's stories of me taking some people by the hand to go look at different mezuzahs around houses or wherever mm-hmm. we might be. So it's always kind of like in me. People would call me Rebbitson from a young age. And I was like, I didn't really get it. <laughs> but I understood like I was always like super Jewy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now how do you see that relationship in your life kind of growing and changing? So throughout high school, I had this desire to become more religious. I had my own like religious awakening, so to speak. Um, I was always, like I said, super Jewy. Everyone thought I'd be a rabbi, but mm-hmm. I became what I'd say more traditional. Um, I hate labels, they're for soup cans, but you know, more orthodox. 
And today I'm I'm married with two kids and we kind of fit in this modern Orthodox, neo-Hasidic Chabad world. Um, Chabad had a huge influence on my life and Hasidism in general. And I study Hasidut. Uh, so that has a huge influence on my life. We raise our kids very Jewish. My boys were kippah and tzitzit. And so we're very proud Jews. My son's name is Amichai, which means my nation lives, mm-hmm. uh, my eldest son. So very Zionistic, very, you know, live in a very Jewish bubble too. Yeah. And I mean, you didn't end up being a Robinson, but you did do something holy. So you started this company called Holy Smokes. Can you tell us a bit about what that is um, and how it started? So I started this Instagram that's just kind of like a fun way to track my adventures and mm-hmm. offer some people some food. Like you want a sous vide barbecue combination for Shabbat mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Um, and I sold a few items and then I kept just documenting my <clears throat> my journey and I ended up meeting somebody who needed to cater kosher. And everyone, he asked on this barbecue group on Facebook called uh, Breaking Barbecue. And mm. he he goes, can anyone help me? And everyone was like, listen, it's so kind of you, but it's much more complicated than just like getting a kosher piece of meat. There's levels. And I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, I'm a Jewish studies teacher. Um, I didn't know really who he was at the time, but he's Jeremy Yoder of Mad Scientist Barbecue and a, a very big YouTuber now. He's really grown it. Um, but he did catering here and was also doing his YouTube stuff at the time. So I taught him everything. He's an evangelical Christian. So he actually knew a lot about Old Testament stuff, but I had to like fill in gaps. And mm-hmm. we actually made a video together on kosher barbecue. And he interviewed me about some laws and those kind of things. So we were business partners for two years. And one Rosh wow. Hashanah, we made like 350 pounds of meat on a wow. 500 gallon <laughs> offset smoker. Yeah. So that was really fun. It was like era of Rosh Hashanah. I started it as Rosh Hashanah, as Shabbos ended. I got into trimming the meats and get everything going by the time mm-hmm. he showed up. Um, but he moved to Texas, uh, back to Kentucky actually. And we're still good friends. We're just not business partners anymore due to a bunch of yeah. you know, locational issues. And so that's how it kind of took off from there. And then, um, I kind of went solo and I do semi pop-up. So I'll cook for a Shabbat or like a special weekend and I vacuum seal all my meat and people pick it up either from my house or my sister's house in the city because LA is mm. really big and we need a couple of yeah. uh, pickup points to like the main Jewish communities. And um, I offered different instructions how to reheat it on my website. And sometimes it'll be beef bacon. There's biltong, as you said, there's brisket, there's ribs. I do all sorts of different meats. So what I find so interesting about this story is you talk about how central Judaism is to your life, especially as an adult. And for me, you know, when I think about Jewish culture, I think about food. Like for me growing up, I had a bit of a different background. I was probably even more of a high holiday Jew. Um, but my big connection was culturally to my family, like Mizrahi and Sephardic food on my mom's side was a big piece of my identity. Um, and for you, it seems like you are a Jewish studies professor, you raise really Jewish family, but you also have this connection to food. Do you think that that was in large part kind of a piece of your background growing up in your Jewish identity? Yes and no. Like food okay. <laughs> is totally part of my Jewish identity. So yes. Yeah. But did I cook or did I ever think I'd be in the kitchen? No. Mm-hmm. Like I was the kind of kid I'd be like, I want to come help for Pesach, mom. At like 12 years old, she's like, go away, go, go, shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to help. She's like, no, go. Because she, uh, being out of the kitchen would be easier for her. But like certain foods that my grandmother made on the high holidays and certain Pesach, there's certain foods that stuck with certain holidays for sure. Or some mm-hmm. of my favorite Shabbos dishes today are still things my mom made, like a... Chicken Marbella is one that I really like. Mm. Um, and that's to me like a very Shabbosy dish or a Yantif ho- holiday dish. 
Um, but I wasn't really cooking until I moved out of home. And in that case, it was like a bit of like a shock, really learning how to cook, calling her, is this done yet? Is this done yet? Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to keep exploring. So as I got kind of better in the kitchen, I started pushing it going, I want to recreate everything that's not kosher, but kosher. Um, or maybe it was kosher, but unavailable to me, like in New York. Um, there's people who've, you know, done this ahead of me, like Izzy's and Ari White from Wandering Q and, and Barbecue. I think it's Milt's. So you definitely have places that that do this. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm the first, but there wasn't anything like this on the West Coast. It was nothing like I've ever had before. So I started with sous some different uh, different cuts and really going from there. Yeah. And one thing that really stood out to me on your website, you write, while many kosher consumers may have been cooking brisket for centuries, many don't know much about the cut. So you're talking about this Jewish food that's been around for a very long time, but you're going into a lot more depth about it. You're talking about what this is, where it comes from, and you're making it in a new and way more accessible way. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing in the Jewish community more broadly. Um, this continued dedication to tradition in a modern lens. And I feels like that's a big influence on your work. Absolutely. Um, the kind of restaurants that have popped up in the Jewish world and kosher world the past 10, 15, 20 years, I never would have imagined this. The kind of mm-hmm. foodie, different styles. I mean, there's legit ramen, legit Thai, not just like, let's put some noodles and sauce and call it this. Um, mm-hmm. They're really authentic. Yeah, sure, they do have to replace some ingredients, but it's as authentic as authentic can be. Um, I think of two restaurants here in LA in particular, some Thai places that I just love. And one's like an Asian place, it's called The Sidewalk. And they just put really unique spins on it. And they are a Thai couple, um, and but they their goal is to always make it kosher and accessible to Jewish consumers. But like, it's really funny, while people have been co- cooking brisket forever, um, it was only recently that my mom learned that there were two muscles on the brisket. She's like, what do you mean first cut and second cut? Like, well, first cut's leaner, second cut's a little fattier and more marble. She's like, I don't know. I just got brisket growing up. Like it's, it's very different um, when you're looking for like the whole briskets to smoke. And it's definitely a learning curve for some customers, but they mm-hmm. love it. I mean, someone asked me if they could get something medium rare. And I was like, dude, this smokes for like 12 to 14 hours and not saying medium <laughs> rare. It, I know what you're saying. I also like my meat medium rare, but I promise you smoked meat doesn't do that. Yeah. And I mean, for so much of the Jewish community, Food is a way of sharing stories and sharing experiences. And especially when you're catering holidays, it feels like that's a big piece of it. How has that been for you to be a part of family's holidays in a way that you probably didn't expect to be? Um, I never really thought about it that way now that you say it like that, Mm -hmm. right? Like I just, my goal is to always serve really good kosher food that people don't always have access to. And you're right, all the more so on holidays when people ordered whole briskets and they're serving it to their guests. And I get texts after Yuntif and it's like, oh, I had your meat at this person's house. I was like, oh, really? Um, <laughs> it's really cool that it gives people something to talk about because it is different. Uh, I mm-hmm. like to hear and see people's reactions when I can to their first bite of like real barbecue. Mm-hmm. So it, it is pretty cool to be part of that. And how come you gravitated to barbecue as like your, your food of choice? I can't sit still. I really like high energy, always moving. I could not sit at a job, I think from nine to five. Like I've tried, it's not my cup of tea. I'm mm-hmm. teaching, I'm on my feet when I'm teaching, I'm talking. Um, I love working with teenagers and they have so much energy. Mm-hmm. So it was really natural for me to gravitate to something that took a little bit more effort. And I started on something easy with charcoal and barbecue, but it's and a pellet grill, I'm sorry, but it took more uh, effort. And mm-hmm. I like playing with things, I tinker. So this was just like, 
I like food. I like tinkering and doing stuff. So why not like take it to the next level? Absolutely. And it's so interesting because you're a Jewish studies teacher as your day job, but you also have this unexpected secondary career path of, of being uh, a chef. So how did that shift happen from, from teaching all day to now teaching and cooking all day? <laughs> so it happened kind of naturally in the sense that I was doing some individual cooks for people. Um, the kind of barbecue I do now, I could never do individual. It takes too long. I do like sous vide and I'd sear it and I'd put a little bit in for the smoke in the smoker for just a little bit. Um, but it happened kind of naturally. There is definitely a balance uh, and a struggle to balance it all. Um, it's not easy. And I think I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit, but like being doing it all, especially as a woman, like women want to have it all. You want to, I want to be the mom. I want to work full time. I want to cook, but I'm one person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a challenge that I'm, I'm really starting to face of, I need to balance things a little better and make sure that I take time for myself as well and not be completely overrun. Cause it is a lot of work barbecue, the kind of barbecue I do with the wood fire and splitting. It's a lot of babysitting. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of meat. Um, And so I just need to make sure that I'm not strained too much that I take care of myself as well. But it's, it's really about the balance and summertime is when I charge hard when I have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that that tension, because I think that's something that we, especially as women, experience a lot, like pressure coming from lots of different places. Um, how has that, especially as you have all of these challenges, how has that played out for you? It requires a lot of thought and mm-hmm. conversations with my husband, who's my best friend and partner, because I could not do this without him. Mm-hmm. Um, while he's not so much of the cook or help so much with the barbecue in that way, he's always there to help me in whatever ways I need. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I can't do these cooks without right some help with childcare yeah. and help with my parents. So it requires really um, digging deep and making sure I'm doing things for the right reason. And I feel like it's kind of like my purpose to teach and cook, but I also know I can't do both full time. So yeah, there is that pull and it's hard. It's hard because I do want to do it on. Sometimes I go, well, why can't I be out all day? And I have to think, well, do I want to miss taking to school and pick up and bedtime? Is this going to be a regular thing every day or is it just once in a month? I have to balance those things. Mm -hmm. And so the first time um, I'm going to the kosher barbecue competition in Dallas, Mm -hmm. which is a Kansas City certified, like this whole certification program. It's like a legit barbecue competition. I'm joining a team down there. And I'm leaving my family. We were talking about it. It's going to be, so I fly out on a Friday and come home Sunday night, but it's over Mm -hmm. Shabbos because they start Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it. Do we make this a family trip? And at the end of the day, we decided not to. It'd be a lot more work. I'm going to be busy most of the time, but I've never been away from my boys for a Shabbos before. Mm -hmm. So it's these things that, um, you know, it's a very cool opportunity and I made that decision, but it's not something I'm going to be doing every week where I'm gone every Shabbos every week or multiple Shabbos a month. So I take things one step at a time. And I think that's really important of trying to balance my life and what I want and what's best for my family as well. Absolutely. Um, on on a, a side note, tell us more about this cooking competition. So how often are you competing in these competitions? Are you competing ever in non-kosher competitions as the only kosher chef, or do you compete only in kosher competitions? So I've never done a competition before. Competition barbecue is, yeah, it's super different than the barbecue I do. It's a totally different ball game. Mm -hmm. The kind of barbecue they do is different. Um, The methods are different. They have secret rubs and ingredients that are 
a lot of us don't necessarily do or like injecting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a handful of kosher competitions. I don't know how many are active still with COVID. Dallas is a big one. There, I think there was on Long Island. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple big ones. And so it's a totally different ballgame. I'm kind of there along for the ride to bring my mm-hmm. skills and uh, my opinion, but also learn from people who've done competitions for years. Yeah. Um, a lot of these guys have done competitions and non-kosher competitions where you you don't taste anything. You're, wow. You do it all. Um, but it's for the fun of it. And, you know, both Ari White and Izzy um, won Barbecue King of New York. I don't remember the years, but they both won Barbecue King of New York. And they're both glot kosher and use glot kosher briskets. Wow. So it's totally possible to compete and win with kosher supplies. Or you can be, again, in a non-kosher competition. You don't taste anything and you do it for the experience. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. I definitely know my barbecue, um, but again, this is a totally different realm. I'm going to do some practice runs and work on a few secret ingredients as well. Um, Ooh, this is exciting. Yeah, so we'll see. And the judges are really cool. They bring in real legit barbecue people to judge them and some mm-hmm. celebrity uh, judges as well, like lay people. So wow. that is, that's really, really cool. And one thing I think is so interesting about your work and the kind of combination of Jewish studies and food is that when I think about Jewish culture, I think the two most important things are food and stories. And it seems like you're really doing that as a teacher, you're sharing stories, you're continuing this education, this knowledge, and you're spreading it to the next generation. And then you go home and you feed people. And it kind of seems like the culmination of like the Jewish experience in one person's career. Right. They say they tried to kill us. God saved us. Let's eat. Right. And And each time there's a story and we do that each time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it really comes together. I invite all my students over for a Shabbos dinner and I love cooking for them. And they're like, most of them have never been to someone's house who's Orthodox for Shabbat dinner. So they're like, Mm -hmm. don't know what to expect. And they're all, some of them are nervous and some of them like, oh, it's just a Shabbat dinner. Like it's all good. Um, And so it really comes together for me then when I love having people into my home who either aren't as religious or haven't experienced Shabbat um, and, and the, the way we celebrate it. So mm. for me, that's when they really come together. And it's also mm. really fun because my students ask me a lot about this stuff once they get to know me a bit. Yeah. And it's a way for us to connect outside of like they take interest in it. Mm-hmm. And it's a way for us to connect as well outside of just the classroom. And within the barbecue world, I'm really curious. And I know that you've done a little bit of work with Unpacked where you talk about this before. Um, what is kind of the dynamic there as a woman? I think that you kind of have explained lots of these stories where it seems very much kind of egalitarian. Has that been your experience or has there been any kind of like sexism or kind of difference that you experienced? I really don't feel that. People have been super welcoming. I mean, Jeremy, who I worked with, you know, super respectful of my religion and super understanding, you know, um, and really just, eager to learn and very respectful of me as a person mm-hmm. always had me do anything I wanted to do. It was never like, no, no, you're a woman. Let me take care of that. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. These doors I lift are 40, 50 pounds. And originally yeah. on the smoker, I couldn't lift it. I wasn't tall or strong enough. So besides the fact that I couldn't, and I'm five, eight, mm-hmm. um, but he actually, I learned eventually how to do it, but it was very hard in the beginning. There is yeah. a learning curve for anyone, but it is heavy and, um, I wouldn't say he's also a former former weightlifter, so he's really strong. Mm-hmm. But so that was the, more of a more of a hindrance. But the community itself has been really welcoming. There are a lot of women in the non kosher world who compete, or a couple women just Priles, the Diva Bar, Diva Q, I think her name is. And mm-hmm. um, there's definitely women out there who are 
well-known and famous. And I think they don't have any issue. It's a pretty welcoming vibe, especially like that Southern welcoming mm-hmm. mentality where some, a lot awesome. of barbecue right originates. Yeah. Um, people have been really cool in the Jewish community, non-Jewish community, super respectful. Thank God I haven't really experienced anything. I'm sure in other industries it might be worse, but in, here in particular, it's been really lovely in the barbecue world. That's awesome. Um, and have you had any, so you talk about all these really incredible people who have set this precedent. Have you had any mentors in the field who kind of showed you the ropes or have you been kind of taking it from, from the ground level? Both. I mean, mm-hmm. Jeremy showed me the ropes, Matt Scientist Barbecue. Uh, he showed me the ropes really of cooking on a massive pit on a trailer, the ins and outs. Um, some of the secrets he told me he later put on his barbecue channel, but I would never divulge them without you know, his approval, but I used them. Um, so he definitely mentored me and we're still friends. Like I said, uh, we're good family friends. I'm friends with him and his wife and mm. they have a baby. And so we'll talk about barbecue and all sorts of things. Um, and in terms of business, I mean, my father's a big mentor and influence in my life. My mom mm-hmm. too, but my dad's always been the businessman. My mom's been on the other end. She does like, she used to do financial stuff. Uh, so he's really taught me a lot about business and the business mindset. So I'd say those two people in particular, um, but it's not because, you know, they happen to be men, mm-hmm. one Jewish, one not, but mm-hmm. it's just who naturally was in my life. It was just a very natural yeah. thing. I didn't like go out looking for someone. What is your hope for the future of Holy Smokes? Do you want to have a restaurant? Do you want to have a food truck? Or do you want to have this experience of kind of doing it on your own terms? That's a really good question. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, uh, I'll let you know what I know. But and that's <laughs> oh, what I mean about digging deep. Right. Yeah. Um, I do like doing it on my own terms, mm-hmm. but I also know, God willing, I'd like another kid or kids in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how great it would be right for me to be manning a live fire 100 percent, 100 percent of the time um, and lifting really heavy things like while pregnant women can lift, this could be a little straight. I don't know how it's going to affect my body. Mm-hmm. My pregnancies are tough. So I know I can't do it forever and on my own. Um, I'm looking to do some expansions and do some pop-ups, get a hexer mm-hmm. for these pop-ups, potentially do some shipping as well and kind of play it out the next year and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Because I also really, really love teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, while it's been a rough year and a half, my passion is working with teenagers. I really feel like it's where I can make a difference. Um, I feel like that drive is and pull, I should say, in barbecue as well and with food. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really, it, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I want it all. Mm-hmm. Through your teaching, you've gotten the chance to work with these teenagers. Um, and I think that you've, you've mentioned that a few times. What about that has been so impactful for you? I know what I went through as a teenager. And I wasn't the easiest teen in mm-hmm. terms of like my anxiety and how I saw the world around me. Like, I was a very laid back kind of person, Mm -hmm. not high maintenance, but I teach at the high school I went to Mm -hmm. and I know the impact that this school had on me and Mm -hmm. how it changed my life. And if I could have just a tiny impact on some of these kids' lives, um, and I've grown, I've definitely grown close with some of these kids and they come back to me and we chat and I, and they joke, I'm, I'm the mature, immature one. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, my, my sister went to this high school that I went to too. And I was, she's 19. So she just graduated last year. Oh, wow. And it was her 18th birthday. And my call, I was with my colleague, who's also my boss. And he's like, like, Hey, Rabbi, it's my sister's birthday. She's 18. He goes, Mazel Tov, you're as old as your sister is mature. Like, I'm a big kid. Mm-hmm. I like having fun. I know when to be serious. I'm in a, I'm the adult in the room. 
but I really like, I'm kind of a teenager at heart. Yeah. Um, and so I really, I really feel like I empathize with them and, and feel what they're going through. And I just kept telling them almost every day on Zoom, like, you guys are freaking fantastic. Like, yeah. I would not be holding up nearly as well as most of you are. Um, and so I really, I really respect teenagers and I really like working with them. And some people say I'm crazy. Some people are like, oh my God, how? But I do. I really like working with teenagers. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like you, from what you've told me, are a tremendous mentor for these kids. But on the flip side, what have you gained, especially in a year coming out of this pandemic, coming out of a time where the the access to hope that a lot of us have has been has been challenging? How has that impacted you? How have their experiences and stories impacted you? I just any time the going got tough, you know, we're, my husband and I were both working from home. We mm-hmm. had our kids home. I just kept thinking about what I would have been like as a teenager and what they're mm-hmm. going through and be like, all right, it's nothing. Because mm-hmm. as a teenager, there's so much more that you're going through and the teenage mind and the growing and the hormones. And I really have so much respect for them. Um, and so whenever the going got tough, I just remind myself one day at a time, really go with the flow and also be like, I could be a teenager right now. Yeah. And I tell them, like, I don't know how some of them did this. I really don't. They're troopers. It's it's interesting, like, for you having to shift um, as a teacher and going from being in person all day long to now being on Zoom and that modern view of teaching. And you kind of do very similar work with barbecue. You know, you have a modern take on brisket, a modern take on all of these traditional foods that have been a part of our lives for a long time. So it seems that a transcending piece of your work between both fields is this continued effort toward taking things that existed for a long time and making them new. Man, you could be a psychologist. Yeah, you, really, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I've never really thought of it that way. That's it, a pretty cool way to think about it. Yeah. So how we like to end all of our podcasts here is, you know, through this podcast, we're hoping to give people access to mentors in fields they probably never considered before with people they probably will never get a chance to meet before, specifically for young girls, just navigating the world as a Jewish woman with all of these incredible opportunities out there for us now. What's one piece of advice you'd want them to know? I think it's really important to follow your gut and your values deep down. Uh, If you have a passion or a drive for something, go for it. I always believe you should try something and fail before either saying it's not right for you or pushing back again, right? Because a failure doesn't mean you've totally failed. Sometimes people realize it's not for them and they're getting out. Sometimes they fail and they're like, their drive is even stronger. I say I failed more in the beginning of barbecue and my drive got stronger to make a better brisket, mm-hmm. um, right? Everything just, it pushed me even further. So following your values and your gut and really listening to yourself and digging deep is the biggest piece of advice I'd have for young girls. Thank you. And Danny, it's been so wonderful to hear from you. I'm excited to hear where Holy Smokes goes from here. And if you guys start shipping, please tell me because I'll be the first person to, to get some food. Um, and thank you. Maybe for you can be someone we sit, ship some samples to. Oh, please sign up. me up right now. <laughs> um, it's been a really an honor to speak with you and to get to know you today. And thank you for taking the time to speak with us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So it was so great to sit down with Danny today. She was such an interesting person to speak to, and the more that we spoke, the more I realized the gravity of her impact. She's breaking ground in the culinary world, making barbecue food accessible to a kosher audience, and doing that as a female chef. She's shaping minds in the world at large by teaching young students. But through this conversation, 
I realized that Danny Goldblatt has the privilege of being a part of family's holidays. The food that she began cooking out of passion is no longer just a passion project. It's at the center of the table at family gatherings. In the Jewish community, that's a pretty big deal. On this podcast, we often focus on the way that women are changing the world. But I don't think we give enough value to personal impact. Danny Goldblatt is shaping people in a different way. Her work affects families, real people just like us. She teaches them and she feeds them, and through that, she becomes an integral and intimate part of their story. I think that this is just as important, just as powerful as any story we've told so far. There is no one way to have an impact, and Danny's way is pretty awesome. When we discussed this in the interview, Danny explained that she had never thought about her food this way. She just wanted to make good kosher food. And I am reminded that sometimes we don't even realize the importance of the work that we do. The things we do affect people in ways that we can't always see. What to Danny was just an effort to get good kosher food was actually so much more than that. She's teaching kids the stories they'll discuss at the Pesach table. And then she's also making the brisket. It's full circle in a way that is so intrinsically Jewish and it's worth being proud of. Danny is so much more than a nice Jewish girl. She's the centerpiece of the Seder table. And this, my friends, is where we'll leave you for today's episode of Nice Jewish Girls. Hopefully a bit smarter and a bit more inspired. I would love, love, love to hear your feedback and suggestions for other nice Jewish girls to host on this pod. Email us at podcasts at jewishunpacked.com and join us next week when we'll be speaking with Ashley Soroya, a therapist and advocate for mental health and body positivity. Nice Jewish Girls is a production of Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Rivki Stern is our producer, and I am your host, Julia Jassy. Check out jewishunpacked.com for everything Unpacked related, and subscribe to our other pods. I want to shout out a weekly podcast you might love called This Week Unpacked. In 15-minute episodes, my colleagues Avi and Sarah explore a relevant and important topic in Jewish and Israeli news. Check it out and let me know what you think. And don't forget to follow Unpacked at all of the social media places like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just look for at Jewish Unpacked. Talk to you later, ladies.